there's uh, tremendous promises in the Word of God, and we, in the in the next few uh, weeks, we'll be doing this through uh, the 12th of May on spiritual fullness, and in the next few weeks, we're going to try to try to understand what it means to be spiritually full and to uh, be able to to grab hold of that and apply it to our lives. It's one thing to have a belief. It's another thing to experience the belief that you have. A lot of people have beliefs and things, but they don't, uh, they don't apply any energy or strength to those beliefs. And it's, it's just an argument. It becomes just an argument. It's not a life experience. We don't want to have just a religious argument. We want to have a life experience when it comes to walking in the fullness of the Spirit of God. Let's uh, uh, declare our, our uh, word today in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Say this with me. I have been redeemed to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that the fullness of God may dwell in me. Praise God. I was... Uh, looking at uh, some things this week uh, down the road, studying uh, some scriptures down the road, and on some messages when we get to uh, uh, health, mental, emotional, and physical uh, health. And I came across a study that was uh, very interesting. It has to do with spiritual fullness and also uh, physical health. And I'll read it more in depth later, but there was a doctor, a brain specialist, that did a study on uh, speaking in other tongues, praying and singing in a, in a spiritual language, and the effect that it had on our brains and our bodies. And what he found out was that when we pray and, and worship in an unknown tongue, it releases two chemicals in our body that causes a 35 to 40% increase in our immune system. Isn't that amazing? And this, this only comes from one part of our brain that is not used for anything else, has no other function except to pray and worship in the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? That, I call it the God part of our brain, that God spot. It, it has no other function other than communication and worship and when, when we're worshiping in an unknown tongue, the rest of our brain goes quiet and just that one place is lit up. In other words, it doesn't take our reasoning. It doesn't take our, our uh, uh, vocabulary. It doesn't take any other part of our brain because it flows out of that one place to where we can communicate and worship. And it, it, there's so many health factors involved in that that, that uh, we'll get into that later because it increases our health, both mental, emotional, and physical health. So the, being full of the Spirit is not just being filled with uh, goosebumps all the time. Amen. It, it, it helps in every aspect. A lot of, a lot of uh, spirituality has been reduced to just uh, uh, some type of emotional experience. That is just the side effect of the Spirit of God. And I'm not against that. I feel like we should be moved physically. We should be moved. I mean, the presence of God and the glory of God, we should be uh, very moved and affected by that in every aspect, in every part Amen. Matter of fact, we, we've got to learn to celebrate the presence of God much greater than what we're doing. We need to learn to celebrate the Word of God. Matter of fact, I've been, I've been looking lately at, at uh, our attitude toward the preaching of the Word. We differentiate that from worship and preaching. Actually, there's no differentiation. The worship follows all the way through every part of a service when we're together the preaching of the word is just as much worship as anything else it's just how we respond to it is what changes it amen i, I want to know if there's anybody in this house can worship the word today can you worship the preaching of the word today amen praise god we need to be as exuberant and and worship. everything we do needs to be a, a, an expression of our worship when the Word of God, when you're receiving the Word of God, that is worship, and you need to, need to respond to that worship. 
So as we move into this today, I want us to, to just keep in mind that this is not just some biblical argument that, that a denomination come up with several years ago. This is what God intended from the very beginning, that we would be redeemed so that we would be filled with his spirit. The full purpose of salvation is not just to get us to heaven, but it's to get us full of who God is. And we need that. We need that. Amen. I am so aware this, this week, I, I, especially today, I've just been trying to shake off uh, just the, the weightiness of, of all the challenges and the, and the pressures and the demands and, and, and the frustration of my ineptitude at trying to meet those can just become overwhelming. Just, it gets to the point where you just, you just really get irritated at yourself and, and, and just, you, you feel like you're just trying to dig your way out all the time. And that's where we need the fullness of the Spirit of God because He's the one that does the work. Amen. We can't do it. We can't meet that. We, we don't have the provision. We don't have the resources. We don't have what it takes to do what God has called us to do. So, so if you get frustrated sometimes or get to feeling bad about yourself, just realize that that's because you're a part of something way bigger than you are. Amen. Way bigger than you are. Praise God. I, I get to feeling like I'm this little tiny speck trying to, trying to accomplish things for God. And, and uh, then, then God comes through and he, and he answers and he takes care of it. Amen. So we, when we... Uh, think about spiritual fullness, that, that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to turn with me today back to the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter, chapter 3 and verse 16. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16. Part of this prayer, matter of fact, I've been focusing a lot on this prayer because it, it has to do with spiritual fullness. Verse 16 says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. How many know that, that the riches of the glory of God never runs out? Now, riches is, is the wealth, the, the uh, inexhaustible wealth of the glory of God. The glory of God that, that created all things. The glory of God that, that, uh, that just is the presence of God. Many times in the Word of God, it, it, sometimes the glory of God is talking about the attributes of God. And other places, it's talking about the self-manifestation of the nature and acts of God. When God's glory, when we talk about experiencing His glory, it means that God Himself manifested his nature and acts publicly and in the natural. And so we feel like we experience the glory of God. I've, I've experienced, I, I, think, I think I've experienced some, some great moves of God, and yet I know that I have not even got into past the surface of it because there's, there's a depth. You can dig and you can work and you can never, ever get to the depth or the width, or the height, or the length of all that God has. And so as we move into the presence of God, the glory of God, we realize that every time we experience something that is phenomenal, we realize that, that, that we, are, we are way, uh, we, we are not even close to the very presence of God. Can you imagine being in the very presence of God? When God came down on the mountain, the, the people of Israel, the mountain shook. There was fire. I mean, the glory of God was so amazing. The people was afraid of the presence of God. And Moses went up into that, and when he came back down, he was transformed. The very, the very particles of his body represented what he had been in. Isn't that amazing? That he, he, his face glowed. He's, he's shown with the, with the presence and glory of God. He says that, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now, I want to talk today about, about the, the strengthening and, and the might through his spirit in the inner man. The word strengthen, it, it simply means that we, we receive of the strength and ability that only God has. 
It's not our strength. It's not our ability. It's not feeling better. It's not drinking an energy drink and feeling more energy. You know, we, we're, we're living in an age where people are just obsessed with these energy drinks. I, I, keep asking, I, I keep asking people, what do you need more energy for? We really don't do that much. Amen. I mean, some of these kids, they, they, they down energy drinks constantly because they're playing video games. It's like, what, what do you need that for? Your body's not moving. If your body was moving, you would need that. And some of them are actually having heart attacks because they drink some energy drinks and stuff. It's, it's terrible for your body. Cut that stuff out. You don't need that stuff. You know what will energize you more than anything? Be active and, and do something that, that, that is productive. That will energize you. Amen. There's times that I, I've, my brain gets tired. And when my brain gets tired, it makes my body feel tired. Actually, my body's not tired. It's my brain that's tired. You know what makes my brain feel better? Oxygen. Oxygen. Woo! Breathe. I'm just meddling. That's not part of my message. I just, I just thought I'd meddle a little bit. When, when, we, when we understand the word strengthen, it, it, it means to increase in vigor. It, it means to be enabled. And this, I like this part, to give dominion. What he's saying is the Holy Spirit, according to the riches of his glory, is given to you that he would grant you dominion inside of you. Dominion, strengthened with might. That you would have dominion over what it is you need to conquer. Amen. Now, most of the time, it's we need to conquer ourselves more than anything else. I mean, that's what we need strength for more than anything. But then we come up against things that, that come against us, oppositions, uh, problems. We come up against sometimes it's the meddling of our enemy, the devil that is trying to... And But he said, I have through the riches of his glory, the inexhaustible wealth of the very manifestation of the nature and acts of God, strengthen you. That you be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. You know, we've heard a lot of stories about when, when you get massive loads of adrenaline, when, when something happens and, and you forget about your lack of strength, and adrenaline starts pumping through your body. It's amazing what people can actually do in those times. I mean, you can move things and you can you can run. Have you ever have you ever been scared and and realized that you could have just won the Olympics? I mean, you can move when something scares you. Amen. I was I was walking on a road at night. When I was a kid, I wasn't afraid of anything. I, I have no idea why. But I was out at night, and the purpose, just to be honest, the purpose that I was out at night, mom and dad didn't know I'd got out of bed, and I was out, and uh, the purpose was my cousins lived up the road, and it was so exciting to go up there and, and torment them. <laughs> I would go up there and throw rocks on the roof right above their bedroom, and, and you know, from a long ways off, hit their house with, with rocks, see the lights pop on them, you know, looking out like this. And, and then I'd, I'd, I'd sneak up there and I'd scratch on the screen of their window, you know. And uh, so that, that's why I was out and I deserved everything that, that I got. That all ended one night when my uncle stepped out the back door with a shotgun and, and let loose with that shotgun. And I thought, you know, he could probably hit me if I wasn't careful. <laughs> anyway, praise God. I'm sure none of you all ever did anything like that. But I was walking down this road, down the road, going back home, and I heard something in the brush beside me following me. And the faster I walked, the faster it walked. And I couldn't figure out what it was. It was over in the weeds and the trees, and, and I was walking pitch black out there. You couldn't see a thing. And I was walking, and the faster I walked, the faster whatever it was was was. And, I mean, I took off, and it was amazing. I, I know I could have won the Olympics that night because when I took off, whatever was following me took off, and we ran. 
I mean, I, I, I had tears running down my eyes. I was running so fast the wind was causing my eyes to water. And I, I was getting it. And I flew over fence. I jumped fences and everything else. Man, I went flying. I got into that, that house. It's amazing what you can do when all of a sudden something invigorates you. Have you ever been invigorated? Amen. You ever, you ever saw something about to hurt your child and all of a sudden you feel this invigoration that you can, I mean, you can move, you can do stuff that you didn't think you could do. Praise God. I've, I've always said that, that uh, anybody that messes with, with mama's kids, they, 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 they have to watch it because six ways of crazy can come out of that woman in, in, a, in a matter of seconds and you're amazed at what, what they can actually accomplish. Amen. All you women say amen. amen. Praise God. We, uh, I got to get my, grand, my granddaughter's a t-shirt. Talks about uh, this, you know, I, I'm not afraid of you because I have a, a crazy grandpa that has anger issues and goes in this long line of stuff. And at the bottom it says, if you mess with me, he'll, he'll hit you so hard Google won't even be able to find you. <laughs> I thought, man, I got to get that for my granddaughters. Yeah. But when we, when we are invigorated by something, it causes us to have abnormal abilities and strength. And we, we go from being normal to all of a sudden being able to accomplish things that we didn't think that we could accomplish. And so it means to invigorate, to be strengthened means to invigorate, to enable, to give ability. Now, when you receive ability, it means that you didn't have that ability until it was given to you. You receive that ability. So we're talking about being the, the riches that God would grant you, that he would give you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened, enabled with his might. Now, the word might here is the word dunamis. It's the word we get dynamite from. You know, dynamite, dunamis. And dynamite is, is uh, powerful. I mean, you can, you can blow some stuff up with dynamite. I've done it. And whenever, whenever that goes off, I mean, it, it has concussion. It, it, it's amazing what it can do. And, but he's saying the word, the only word, that, that Greek word that they had to explain what God's strength is, what his might is, is to say that through the be strengthened with dynamite, with dynamis, dunamis, and, and to uh, the power that comes only from God. We're not talking about just a power of man's ability. We're talking about an amazing ability that God's saying, that, the, that Paul is saying here in his prayer that we can actually have, that he would grant you. How many believe you need a little more of this ability, a little more power than what you actually have? I, I, I think that, that we're living so far below what we can actually have in the presence of God. Matter of fact, the more we, in, more we get into the presence of God, the more we experience God, the more we realize that we, there is so much more that we're not experiencing, that we're not having, and we limit ourselves. God doesn't limit us. We limit ourselves. And so the word dunamis is the same word in Acts 1 and 8. How many remember what it says in Acts 1 and 8? And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witness for me in Jerusalem, Judea, and uttermost parts of the world. And in the Amplified Bible, <laughs> excuse me, in the Amplified Bible, it actually says that, that he will infuse uh, you with his power and even in, in your personality. Man, some of us need some in, in doing of power in our personality, don't we? When, when things are wearing on you, how many, how many understand that, that we have to deal with difficult people? How many realize that sometimes you're that difficult person? Sometimes we have to overcome others, and most of the time we have to overcome ourselves. Difficult people can cause us to be wore out 
it, it can just wear you down. When, 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 when you're around people that are always needing something from you but never give back, there's no reciprocation. No relationship can stand that. When there's constant draw on one side but there's never any giving back, a relationship can only last if there's reciprocation and, and, and where there is something given back. After a while, we will begin to see the cost outweighing the reward. Amen. And so in, in our lives, there's a lot of times we get around that which just seems to take the life out of us. Just pulling, 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 pulling all the time. Amen. I used to do a lot of counseling. I mean a lot of counseling because I, I feel like that was my job. And there was most days early on, most days I would start at 8 in the morning, sometimes wouldn't, wouldn't finish up meet with people till midnight. And this would be day after day after day after day. And I was trying to help people, trying to give. And a lot of them uh, did get help, especially doing premarital uh, counseling. That, that was always a, a uh, plus in people's lives. And, but I began to realize that uh, I didn't think I was actually helping anybody too much, you know, because there never seemed to be any increase. And, and so I decided that I needed to start uh, demanding responsibility for the time spent. And so I started telling people when they'd say, I need to meet with you. I need to make an appointment meet with you, Pastor. I'd say, okay, we met so many, you know, last week or whatever. And I said, before I meet with you again, tell me what you've done about what we met about last time. Give me some insight about what you've improved in your life and how you've applied what I've talked to you about. And it's amazing. My, my counseling schedule went to almost nothing because I began to demand responsibility. And I, I even got to the point where I would say, look, you know, when people want to meet with me, I would say, okay, I'm willing to commit my, the hours of my life to you because that's what I'm giving you. I'm giving you the hours of my life. Very expensive. And so I will do that. I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to commit that to you, but I need you to give me a guarantee that you're willing to commit your life and energy to me by applying what we talk about. If not, I'm not a therapist. I'm a pastor. So if you want a therapist, it's going to be $120 an hour. But if you want your life changed, you want to apply what we're talking about, it's free. But if you just want somebody to, to talk to or complain to, then it's going to be $120 an hour. And so it's amazing how, how little drain there is when there's responsibility demanded for the drain. Amen? Boy, that went over heavy. Everybody worship in the word. Worship, worship. Come on. Praise God. <laughs> we, if, if we're going to grow, if we're going to change, if we're going to be filled with the Spirit of God, then we're going to have to start being accountable for what God's invested in us. And we're going to have to start using what God's invested in us. You can't just say, God, I need more. I need more of your strength. I need more of your power if you've not done anything with what he's given you up to this point. God, I need more gifts. And God says, okay, start using what I've given you. Amen. God, multiply me, and, and, I'll, and I'll do your work. And God says, I've given you a talent, and you've hid it in the dirt. What are you doing with what I've given you? See, God, God Jesus gave us that parable, and he, he had a very bad attitude towards somebody that had received a talent from him and refused to use it because they didn't respect the talent. They didn't respect that little bit that God had given them, and so they just simply hid it because they didn't get the two or the five. And so they didn't invest it. They didn't do anything with it. And, and when, Je when the, Jesus said, when the, the uh, guy came back, he said, what did you do with it? And he said, well, I knew that you was a hard person, and, and you was going to want this back, so I, I kept it for you. But what he was saying was, I don't want you to keep it. I want you to give it away. I want you to use it. 
Amen. Strengthened with might by his spirit. When, when we understand being strengthened with might, it means that he has invested in us something beyond our ability, and he's given us power or dunamis or, or strength. That you shall receive power, dunamis, ability, might, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that you might be witnesses unto me. Amen. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is not talk, coming to talk about himself. He's coming to talk about me. In other words, he's going to present Jesus. And so when we present Jesus, then, then the Holy Spirit is able to empower that. And we have to learn to walk in the dunamis, the power, the might. What is that dunamis power? What makes that dunamis power? A lot of us think that that is that's, you know, working miracles of some kind. You know that it's 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 part in the Red Sea, it's walking on water, you know, raising the dead. That's all part of it. But one of the things that we need to realize is dunamis power is to get you also get you through the times when it doesn't seem like there's anything good happening. When it seems like oppression comes and and you can't get out of it. When it seems like nothing's happening and, and that dunamis fills you and strengthens you. Paul, the apostle Paul talks about it. He talks about the times that he was, that he was the hardships that he went through. He talks about the good, there's good stuff, but he also talks about being shipwrecked in fastings often, you know, sorrow and, and all these kind of things. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He understood what it was to be human and he understood what it was to face the challenges of everyday life and he said that he he gave us the ability his ability to do that to be able to push through everybody say push through, push through. sometimes you just gotta have the power to push through what's happening the limitations is trying to stop you the troubles that come against you family problems financial problems you know uh all the problems we're facing in this nation. If we're not careful, it'll bring us to, into oppression and make you feel despair. But that's not what a child of God is supposed to have. We're not supposed to have despair. We're supposed to have dunamis power, enabled with power, with ability, so that we can do something about the problem. Amen. We can change the situation. So he said, you shall receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that strength, that efficiency. The word dunamis means miraculous power, ability, efficiency, and abundance. I like all those words. Amen. He said that he's going to give you strength and he's going to enable you to have miraculous power, abilities, efficiencies and abundance praise God abundance abundance means that we have more than enough we're overflowing with enough how many how many like that I, I, I like that amen I want to be overflowing with abundance as I said earlier, sometimes I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, underneath this avalanche trying to dig myself out with a teaspoon and, and, or trying to hold back a, a tidal wave, you know, with, with a bucket. And when, when you feel that way, it's because you're, you're realizing how inefficient and how, how inadequate you are to meet the challenges that God's put before you. But then we have to stop and look back and say, well, yeah, but God didn't call me to do this. He called me just to simply represent him. He's the one that can take care of the avalanche. He's the one that can take care of the tidal wave that's coming against us because he is more than enough. Everybody say, more than enough. He is more than enough to meet the challenges that are coming against us. The things that we don't understand, he understands. The times when we are weak, he's strong. The times when we don't have knowledge, he's all-knowing. The times when wisdom seems to slip out of our, our grasp, he is wisdom. And he said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of the Father who gives liberally and upbraids not. In other words, he's not going to tell you how stupid you are when you ask for wisdom. He's going to give you wisdom. Amen. Hallelujah. And, you know, it, it'd, be like, it'd be like a child asking a parent 
to tell them, that may help them understand something. And the parent turned around and said, were you that stupid? You know, that's what, that's what God, that's what James is telling us, that God's not going to do that to us. When we ask for wisdom, he's going to simply give us the wisdom that he has so that we can have his understanding and his wisdom. Isn't that a good father? He's a good father. Amen. And so he's not going to upbraid us. He's not going to say, well, I can't believe you're that dumb or I can't believe you're that stupid. Every once in a while, Jesus would get tired of the apostles or the disciples and, and he would say, how long am I going to be with you? He didn't say, how, how dumb are you or are you that stupid? But he'd say, how long is it going to take before you start listening? Amen. When are you going to start just opening your ears and listening to this thing? You know, he thought he was really getting somewhere when he said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, oh, Peter, flesh and blood is not given this to you, but, but my father in heaven has given you this, this wisdom and, and understanding and thought he's really getting somewhere until a few minutes later, he's telling him what's going to happen. And Peter grabs him by the shoulders and shakes him and says, this isn't going to happen because I'm the man of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And I'm telling you, this is not going to happen. I have a gift here, Jesus. You just told me that God has given me a gift. So this isn't going to happen. I'm telling you, I'm declaring it right now. And Jesus looked at him and said, Satan, get behind me. Can you imagine? He went from the rock of revelation to Satan, get behind me. That's a demotion in a matter of minutes. But Jesus didn't give up on him, did he? He just kept coming back and giving it to him. Give, matter of fact, Jesus had declared what Peter was going to be, and that's exactly what Peter became because Jesus was not going to give up. And you know why Peter became that? It wasn't because Peter had a special gift. It's because Jesus imparted that to him, nurtured it, empowered it. And when the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, he received a knowledge, a wisdom, and an ability that Jesus had declared he was going to have. And so Peter just simply got up and opened his mouth, and Jesus came out. That's, that's the only way you can understand that. Because Peter messed up a whole lot more times. I mean, he, he argued with God on the rooftop about the Gentiles and unclean things. And then Paul withstood him to the face because Peter, Peter was trying to be political. And anybody with a mouth like Peter ought to know you can't be political. But Paul withstood him to the face because he, found, he, he noticed that Peter, any time that the Jews were not around, any time the... The, those of the circumcision went around. Peter was all friendly with the Gentiles, and he was nice to them and everything. But when the Jews came around, all of a sudden, he didn't know who those Gentiles was. He would separate from them. And so Paul was stood him to the face and said, you're not doing right. You see what I'm talking about? It wasn't the fact that Peter was just a special person. It's that he had been endued with a special ability, and that ability came out of him. And every once in a while, we saw the old Peter rise up, and, and he, you know, he, would, he would trip over himself and, and chew on shoe leather for a little while. But then, then we would see him get up, and the gift would come out. And that, that what Jesus had declared, he would all of a sudden begin to be strengthened with might by his his spirit in the inner man. Amen. On the inside of us. In the inner man. Where is that inner man? You know, we talk about the heart. You know, I feel it in my heart. You know, we, we actually feel things in here. A lot of us carry stress in different places. A lot of us feel emotions in different places. In the Old Testament, it was, it was, our, it was the intestines. I love you with all of my intestines. That uh, doesn't sound romantic, does it? Can you imagine, I heard Mark Lowry say this, can you imagine a guy putting his arm around his woman and saying, I love you with my bowels. I just, that, somehow Valentine's Day wouldn't be able to sell that. Hallmark wouldn't be able to sell that one. I'd like, I'd like to see that come out on a Hallmark movie. But years ago, back in the Old Testament, that's, they, they considered, that's what they called the center of emotion or feeling. And today we call it the heart. You know, I love you with all my heart. Well, our heart is a blood pumping muscle. 
It means that, that, that's what helps us to live. That's what gives us life. And I think that's why we, we talk about that. But a lot of times when you feel things, you actually feel it in here. Why do you feel it in here? It's because something's happening up here that's affecting your very innermost being, your core being. It's affecting your organs. You know? It's causing you to, it's, it, it's causing you to, to feel something. The heartache. We talk about heartache. And the thing is, your heart actually aches. Did you know you can have what they call broken heart syndrome? Where it actually damages your heart? You become so broken hearted, so stressed that it actually dam doesn't mean you have blockages, but it damages your heart. How is that? How's that connected? What does it do? See, a lot of us, we, we think, well, I want to be filled with the Spirit. Well, where's that? Where's the Spirit of God going to dwell? And we're going to find out later that, that the only way to be full of the Spirit of God is to continually grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't be full of His Spirit. You can have a measure of, but the measure of the Spirit of God in you, the fullness, will only increase as your knowledge increases. Why? Because information creates intimacy. Informa I heard uh, Ron Carpenter say this, and it really stuck with me. Information creates intimacy. That's why when you start dating somebody when you're young, have you ever noticed that kids, when they start dating, all of a sudden they can't talk enough? You know, they go out on a date, and they talk, and then they get home, and they talk on the way. Now we got cell phones, so they, they talk and text, and, and they talk at, at, when they get home, and they're always texting and, you know, sharing. What are they doing? They're sharing information. It's a need and a demand in intimacy. If you're going to be intimate with somebody, you're going to, you can only be intimate with them to the, uh, to the amount of knowledge you have about them. Now, you can say, I love somebody simply because God has put a love in your heart and you love that person. But you can't have an intimate, loving relationship with them. Not talk, I'm not talking about sexual. I'm talking about that intimacy where you actually know somebody, where you become one with them in, in, in uh, caring about them, loving them. You know them, and you love them simply because you have information about them. When somebody shares information with you, it means they are entrusting you with their life. Don't do that with anybody that you're not intimate with. Don't divulge information about yourself unless, unless they have qualified to carry that information. Amen. They need to be qualified to carry that information. And you know, how, you know how you know if they're qualified? By when you talk to them or share something about yourself that's not really uh, exciting or something that, that isn't good about yourself, they don't treat you any different. They still love you. And all of a sudden you realize they are qualified for my intimacy and the fact they're qualified for my intimacy, then I become more full of that person and we, and we enter into more of an intimate relationship. So when, we, when we're talking about the fullness of God, we're talking about sharing information and becoming intimate with God through knowledge and through understanding of who he is. Jesus spent three and a half years living with and teaching the disciples. I mean, day and night, he lived with them. Why? Because he was, he was imparting to them information. And he got information from them. At one point, before he went to the cross, he actually changed... He actually changed the relationship by telling them that you're no longer servants, you're friends. He totally changed the relationship. Why? Because there had been information shared and they'd come to a common place of understanding with each other. Amen. If you're going to be full of the Holy Spirit, there's going to have to be information shared. 
You're going to have to learn how to receive from him instruction and how to talk with him and learn how to walk with him. And, and that intimacy only grows as we share information and grow in relationship. When you learn to trust him as your best friend, you know that you are getting full of the Spirit of God. Amen. For a long time, the, the uh, sayings of the, of, the, of the Pentecostal church showed that we didn't have intimacy. We, we wanted power. We talked in tongues. We, we had displays. We had tongues and interpretation. We had gifts. But the very language that we used showed that we had no intimacy with him because we would talk about God, the Holy Ghost showed up tonight. You know, statements like that. What is that? It means that he's not always here, but boy, he came tonight. For whatever reason, he showed up. Well, if we were walking in intimacy with him, we wouldn't be wondering if he's going to show up because we would be in communication with him right now. He's with me all the time. And so I know he's going to show up. Amen. You know, we, we talk about, man, we had a good service tonight. And the thing that always bugged me as a young person in church, was those blowout services was always followed by a dead Sunday the very next Sunday. I mean, just whew. we'd have one of them blowout, shouting, Holy Ghost time, you know, services and people would receive and things would be great. And, and the very next Sunday, we'd walk in and, and, and it was dead as a doornail. I mean, dry as last year's bird nest, and everybody's wondering what went well, he ain't here today. He didn't show up today. A church I was pastoring several years ago, after uh, a Wednesday night, I got up and preached, and it seemed rather hard that night. I mean, I had to really push through to, to share the word. And afterwards, this older gentleman come up to me, and he said, Pastor, he said, I know you're young, and you've got some stuff to learn. And I'm thinking, okay, what's coming? You know, because I got all kinds of advice. Some of it I needed, some of a large majority of it I didn't. But I'm thankful for those that actually had something to say. I, that, was, that was awesome. When somebody would speak into my life as a young man and actually have something to say, you know, that, that was a blessing. In my, even if it was correction, if it was done in the right way, it was awesome. It was like, whoa, thank you. Wow, that's neat. You know, that, that was intimacy. That was, that, that, that created something in my life. I knew I could trust that person because they didn't come just to criticize. They came because they wanted to help. They wanted to give me something that, that would uh, be beneficial to me without, without it being a harsh or criticism or things like that. And this guy came up and he said, listen, he said, I like the way one of our pastors used to do. He said, if he got up and started preaching and, and it wasn't going very good, he'd, say, he'd, he'd just simply stop and say, well, he's not here tonight. Let's come around the altars and pray. And so he said, we'd all come around the altars, pray for a little bit, and we'd go home. And when he said that, I thought to myself, man, that is awful. That's an awful attitude. He ain't here tonight. How's he not here tonight? You're here. Amen. Are you filled with the Spirit? Are we full of the Spirit? Are we full of strength? Are we full of might? Does the Holy Spirit just show up once in a while just to check and make sure we're doing things right? No, He's here all the time. Just because something seems to be difficult doesn't mean he's not here. That's usually the time when he'll show out the most if we'll just let him. But, but we're affected by those things, and we shut down. We close off. We, we feel inadequate, and we feel insecure, so we, we shut ourselves off. And that keeps Holy Spirit from being able to move because we, we feel like something's wrong. The thing that's wrong is we're lacking intimacy with God. Because if we're not lacking intimacy with God, we know. I mean, wouldn't it have been awful if we had a story in the Bible where Paul and Silas was in the prison, and the next day they come and got him out of prison, and they said, well, he didn't show up last night. 
We just got beat and everything. This is a heavy cross we got to bear, and he didn't show up. We prayed and sang, but boy, nothing happened. Wouldn't that have been awful to read something like that? No, instead, they started praying and singing, not knowing if anything was going to happen or not. Why? Because they were, they were intimate with Holy Spirit. They walked with him. They knew him. It wasn't their circumstances that dictated their relationship. It was their relationship that dictated their circumstances. And here they're beaten, they're hurting, their backs are hurting, their bodies are hurting, they're in stocks and bonds, which means their feet was, was, uh, was uh, locked down and their arms were locked down. They couldn't move, they couldn't scratch where it was hurting, or, or they couldn't do anything. And, and yet at midnight it says that they begin to pray and sing praises to the Lord. Why'd they do that? Because they're going to see if he, could, if he would open the prison doors? No. Let's, let's try this and see if he shows up. It's kind of how we are, isn't it? Well, let's try this song and see if he shows up. Well, if the preacher would have preached on this, he would have showed up. Well, if the preacher hadn't preached, he would have showed up. We'd have one of those good services if the preacher didn't preach. And we got to learn how to worship the Word. Yeah. Amen. I'm out, I'm out to destroy this, this Christian church mythology, and I want to see the church get to where we worship nonstop. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I heard, had somebody tell, I've got to go, and I had somebody tell me one time, here, it's just been a couple of years ago, said, you know, I've never seen the power of God move when in, in the preaching of the Word. Then in, in the worship, you know, he'll move, but when, when a preacher's preaching, I've, I've just never seen that happen. Well, that torqued me. <laughs> I refuse to feel like the problem. Amen. I refuse to feel like the interruption of the Spirit of God. That the preacher of the word is somehow an interruption. My goal, now listen to me, my goal, my vi I want to see worship start before we ever start playing the first song. Hey, matter of fact, I want to see worship happen when the alarm clock goes off in the morning because you're already worshiping God because you're getting up to go to church. You mean to worship God. And so that to you, that's worship. Amen. When you have that first cup of coffee on Sunday morning, you're already worshiping because you have intentions of gathering with the people of God. And then when you get here, you're already worshiping God when you pull on the parking lot. This will stop a whole lot of arguments on the way to church. Sunday morning is the, is, the, is the family argument time. That's when people get into it the worst. Isn't that right? Tension builds up. Nothing goes right. Can't get the kids ready. You ought to have been in Betty, Sister Betty's shoes. She got up every, every morning, Sunday morning and did it all by herself because I was gone. And she'd have them kids in church on time before church started, dressed up in their little suits and looking good, fed, clothed. And she would have a bag full of stuff to entertain them with because when we were younger, they didn't have um, nursery and all that kind of stuff, especially one church we went to. They didn't believe in it. But Sister Betty would show up, she'd have that bag full, and she didn't get any help from me because I was already gone early in the morning, and I was, I was preparing for the service. I was, I was praying. I was seeking God. I was sometimes cleaning the church because it hadn't been cleaned yet and trying to get everything ready for Sunday morning. So Sister Betty had no help from me. and she would, so, so we never had the opportunity to get in an argument before church. LAUGHTER and a lot of days I'd, I'd see her coming in church and I could tell it'd been a rough morning because that look on her face, she was just, you know, just rattled, you know, kids hadn't, you know, things hadn't went good and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like this one pastor's wife told me she had, she had, uh, two kids under the age of five. Then she got pregnant, and had twins. She, she ended up having five kids under the age of six or four kids under the age of six babies. And, of course, her, her husband was gone early on Sunday morning, so she had to get all those kids ready, feed them, get them, get them up, feed them, get them ready, get herself ready, and get to church on time, and, and then be a part of the service and do things in the service and all this kind of stuff. And she told me, she said, one Sunday, she said, I got all the kids ready. I got them in the car and, and put it, the car in reverse, started to back out, look in the rearview mirror. She said, I realized 
that I hadn't even combed my hair. I was still in my bathrobe and house shoes. And she said, I was backing out heading to church. Can you imagine? See, we gotta, we've got we've to change our mindset. I'm going to close with this. I know I'm going. It's only 1130 right now. Man, we're, we're early. We're early. Amen. They must have said that because it should be 1030. Who messed me up? I was going to use that today. Somebody changed that clock already. It's supposed to be 1030. We, we've got we've to learn that worship starts, especially when we come to church together. We are investing the hours of our life. We're spending the time of our life to come to church and worship together. It, we ought to give everything we got to it and worship from the time we get in the church. We should be worshiping. When, when the music starts playing a song, we should be worshiping. When the preacher's preaching, we should be worshiping. There should be a worship going on all the time. We're together in the house of God because that's what we're here for. Amen. To worship him. Praise God. I, I believe we're going to start seeing moves of God while the preacher's preaching. Come on, somebody. Amen. We're going to start seeing that. God still performs miracles, doesn't he? Amen. Praise God. When we stop worrying about how much longer he's going to preach and, and, and we're so busy worshiping, we don't know that he's preached 30 minutes yet. Wouldn't that be awesome? It'd be awesome for me. Amen. It'd be awesome for me. Thankfully, I don't have sleepy people anymore. Oh, my goodness. I used to, I used to watch people sleep through church, and it, it, would just, it would irritate me so bad I couldn't understand it. Oh, my goodness. Matter of fact, one day I was preaching a Father's Day message, and I felt like I had a really important message. This church was packed out with people. It was full, and it was a Father's Day message. There was men here that never come to church any other time, and, and you know, sometimes I can be a little, little brash, a little harsh. Not anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm just a big, lovable teddy bear anymore, but I used, I, used to be this, I used to be this mean person. You know, it's what I've been told that I, you know, I've changed because I used to be this really mean person, and sometimes the things I said back that up, but I, I told I was, get, I was preaching. I was preaching on Father's Day, and I looked out there, and I was trying to communicate a, something that I felt like was very important for men in the church. And I looked out there, and, and at least a third of the men was sitting there sound asleep. Oh, my goodness. I had a flesh moment. <laughs> I think. It might have been Holy Spirit, but I had a flesh moment. And I stopped and I yelled and I said, you men better wake up or I'm going to come and knock you out of your pew. Now open your eyes and wake up. I mean, and I even went back to one person. I said, you sleep anymore and I'm going to come back and slap you out of your pew. You need to listen to what I'm saying. I mean, I got mean with him. You know what? That guy got saved that day. And after church, he come to him and he said, pastor, ain't nobody ever talked to me like that. And he said, I gave my life to the Lord today because I felt like you mean business. I said, I do mean business. He was bigger than me, and I, I was threatening him. Full. Full. What's it mean to be full? We can think that we're filled with the Spirit, that we're full of the Spirit, but we are only full to the limit of the information we have received and shared with the Holy Spirit. As we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, our capacity increases, and we're able to have more of him. Stand with me, if you would, today. Praise God. We need to understand who Holy Spirit is in order to be intimate with him. And the only way we can do that is through relationship and through information. we we got to read it in the Word of God, and then as we communicate... He will, he will talk with you. He'll share things with you. Amen. He will share things. He will, he will give you information. And as he gives you information, it causes you to be able to open up more to him. Amen. To be able to have that intimacy.